So anyway, my name's Jess, and uh, for those of you that I haven't met, and my husband and I have the privilege of leading Oceans Church, and we have two locations, Perth and Albany. So yeah, it's a new thing for us, our church, and it's going, it's going good so far. But we're in our series of hunger, and mine is called um, Call the Doctor, is what I've uh, labelled my uh, sermon. Yeah, so, you know, um, last week Schaefer spoke here and he introduced the idea of hunger. And in Albany, we had Liam Wesson preach and he talked all about how faith um, ties into this idea of a hunger. And of course, we're using a bit of a play on words. We have experienced physical hunger, but we also experience a spiritual hunger. And so, you know, I was thinking about hunger and it's really like a physical, like a rather unpleasant physical uh, signal that drives us towards an action, right? To meet a need that our body has. The reality is that um, we can kind of satisfy this unpleasant hunger signal, like we can turn it off, make it go away, without actually really satisfying the need that it's indicating. Do you know what I mean? Schaefer outlined this really well last week when he explained that, you know, sometimes when we feel that hunger, we tend to reach for whatever's in the pantry. And so right now in my fridge at home, there is leftover from some sort of lead meeting, donuts. There's a plate of donuts. In my freezer, there's salmon. Good for you, all right? If I got hungry, I'm just going to tell you all, the donuts are still there, okay? I haven't eaten them, but if I got hungry, I can pretty much guarantee I would open the fridge and go, yep, never mind about the salmon that's going to take me an hour to defrost and then fry. Like, I'm getting that donut and I'm eating that and that's going to turn off my hunger signal and then I'll carry on. But is the need for nourishment in my body met? No. And, you know, so Schaefer talked about how sometimes in life we can find ourselves in the wrong aisles um, at the shopping centre where, you know, we were stocking our pantry with junk food as opposed to stocking our pantry with good food. And that it can be like that spiritually as well. We can find ourselves in situations where, um, you know, as we eat junk food, it's this quick fix. We can kind of get locked into the pattern of that. And ultimately we end up with... Uh, a need for physical nourishment never really being properly met. And what happens to us when we turn off the hunger signal but never actually meet our need for nourishment? What happens to us? We get tired. Grumpy just popped into my brain. You know that word hangry? (laughs) Where it's like you're hungry but you're angry because you haven't eaten. What else happens? You get fatigued, you get listless, you get tired, you become kind of unfit for life. Also you uh, usually become quite vulnerable to disease and to sickness. All sorts of things begin to happen if we continue to turn off our hunger signal without actually meeting the need for nourishment that our body has. Schaefer reflected that when we do manage to sustain healthy eating patterns over a period of time, we tend to lose our taste for junk food. And then we experience the benefits that come with healthy eating. But usually there's a delayed response. It takes time of sowing healthy eating before we experience um, the health benefits of it. And so turning to our spiritual life, we also have a spiritual hunger signal that, that, that alerts us to a need, that drives us to action. The Bible reflects in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 that God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. In other words, there is a longing in our heart. It's like an unpleasant hunger signal. It drives us. We're looking for something. We know there's something within us 
that needs to be satisfied, but it's not like we've got it all mapped out in our brain. We don't know exactly what it is. And that's what often causes people to go looking and seeking for spiritual things and seeking God. And it's an incredible thing that God's put that in our heart. But similar to our unhealthy food habits, we can also develop unhealthy habits of sort of trying to turn off this spiritual hunger signal without actually meeting the need. Um, Isaiah puts it like this in chapter 55, verse 2 to 3. It says, Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. And so that's an incredible expression really of this tension that's there. Like why do you do things ultimately that doesn't bring you strength? That does you no good when there is food that we're satisfied And Jeremiah puts it like this in chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. This is a very poetic way of giving the same expression that in some ways we've abandoned where true satisfaction can come from and instead try to meet those needs ourselves by, uh, through human ways and worldly ways that are like cracked systems that can't hold any water at all. Very poetic, very dramatic. But we do, we have a bit of a problem here with our food, with our spiritual hunger. We as humans, we have a longing. This hunger, it's there, it's set in our heart, it drives us to action, but unfortunately we also have a tendency to want to seek satisfaction uh, with food that does us no good, that doesn't bring us strength. We've neglected to seek satisfaction from Jesus, the fountain of living water that will endlessly and deeply satisfy us. But instead, we tend to rely on human ways to meet this hunger in our, our lives and ultimately neglecting our deepest need for spiritual satisfaction. And, you know, just like when we fail to meet our need for physical nourishment, we can also um, find a whole lot of issues that come about when we fail to meet our need, our true need for spiritual nourishment too. You know, this can look like so many different things, but it doesn't take much to look around the world and recognise that we do have a spiritual poverty There's so many things that go on. There's so much um, dysfunction that points to more than just something physical going on. It points to spiritual. And so for us, it can look like all kinds of different things that that might point to the problem that there's a need that actually hasn't been properly met. You might be turning off that hunger signal with various activities, whatever that may be. But over time, without that need being properly and truly met, you'll find problems popping up in your life. And it could be that some of the things that you've been using to meet those needs, those spiritual needs in your life, they might become, some of them can become quite destructive addictions in our lives and really start to impact on life. You know, it can be not just drugs or sex or porn, but it can be any kind of habit that destroys our relationships, that takes our time. It can look like that listlessness, that fatigue, that sadness, that sort of, 
you know, low-level depression, anxiety, fear, poor confidence, poor self-esteem, those sorts of experience over time that can point to a spiritual need that hasn't been met. can be the restlessness, the inability to be content. You've just got to go from thing to thing and change it up, you know, almost addicted to change. You've got to just move from one place to another. Sometimes that can point to the, the, there's a spiritual need that hasn't been met. It can get, end up with problems with demonic oppression or influence and just all sorts of stuff. And we can simply get caught in the pattern of turning off our hunger signal and therefore neglecting our true need. Do you know, um, I do this a lot, like with food. So when I work, often I like get my kids, I get them off to school, then I get to work and I start working. And then about 1 or 2 p.m., it's like this pesky hunger thing going on, you know? It's like rumbling away and I'm just like, Bleh, annoying. <laughs> I'm hungry and I can't concentrate. And so you guys know it, right? So many of you would do the same and you're like, ah, how do I just like delay this issue till later? But I just can't think because it's just really invading my like thoughts right now. And so then what happens? You like, well, for me, <laughs> I'm just confessing everything now. I would just like, what's going to satisfy and turn off that signal like the fastest? And so usually it's like something real sweet, like a sugar rush, right? So that I'll be like, all right, go to the shops, quickly grab some chocolate and just like crunch it down and then the hunger signal's gone. I'm like, whoo, high on sugar, yes, I can keep working now for another few hours. But that doesn't do your body any good, right? And you do that for too many days in a row, especially if you start to skip dinner as well. Gosh, I've done that as well. And I remember sitting down one night after doing this for a few days in a row, and I think it was dinner party, and I sat down and started eating like this homemade curry. And I was like, oh, oh my goodness, I feel really good. That curry just did something for me. And then I was suddenly like, yeah, it's probably the most wholesome meal I've had in about three days. And, you know, and this is what, like, can happen to us when our physical need isn't, isn't being met. And so, um, anyway, that's just a funny kind of thought that I'm sure all of you are guilty of as well. <laughs> Especially you young ones here, I know. I'm getting better the older I get. <laughs> the younger I was, I went through a spell of like passing out a bit and I was like, oh, I don't know why I feel so faint. And then the doctor goes to me, um, do you eat regularly? I was like, oh yeah, totally. They were like, have you eaten today? It was like 2 p.m. I'm like, no. <laughs> anyway, so I kind of made a priority of having lunch and that fixed the problem. So, you know, being young, I know you're just as guilty as me of these things. Anyway, but the Bible talks to us. There's a famous sermon. It's one of the first sermons ever recorded, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the first sermons that Jesus ever said, and it was sort of like he began this foundational teaching, started to talk to us about the principles of what it is to know God. And um, Matthew 5 to 6, it's just, it says blessed. In other words, happy, fortunate, rich, satisfied, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Righteousness here means the ways of God. You know, have you ever read that and thought, is there anyone that really hungers and thirsts for righteousness? Do you know, like, often in life we find ourselves caught in a cycle of literally trying not to do things that you shouldn't do, like trying not to eat chocolate because you know it's not good for you, and then doing it anyway? 
And I think sometimes in like faith life, it can be the same. You're like, I know I shouldn't watch that TV show or I shouldn't go out with that person or I shouldn't whatever because it's not good for me. But then you just find yourself doing it anyway. And so this idea of hungering and thirsting for righteousness, to have an alignment with your desire and then being satisfied for that. No wonder they say, blessed are those people. No wonder. I mean, imagine if you literally craved fruit and veggies. Like when you had that hunger thing and you were like, yes, I know is what's going to satisfy my hunger. It is like a, you know, chicken sandwich or, you know, an apple. And then you're like, awesome, I'm going to eat that. And you eat that and then your body's nourished and, you know, life is good, right? Because you're not even thinking about the bad stuff, right? No wonder they say in a spiritual sense, blessed is those people that hunger and thirst for righteousness, Because that is what God fills us with. That's where we can find the deepest satisfaction. But who regularly hungers and thirsts for righteousness when you're really honest with yourself? That's not often where we're at as people. John 4.34, Jesus says, says to them, he says, My will is to do, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And essentially what he's saying there is, my food, my satisfaction comes from doing the will of God. It comes from being obedient. It comes from finding what that is and doing it. Again, incredible alignment. Incredible. We often think so much about the sacrifice involved in doing what is right, in following God's ways, right? And yet, blessed is the person that finds an alignment with their desires and with righteousness. And so I got to praying really and saying to God, what does it look like to develop that in our lives? How do we become people that hunger and thirst for righteousness? And so I just wanted to share with you from the same scripture there, Matthew two to Matthew 5, 2 to 6, because when you read, it's called the Beatitudes, when you read this, it's like layer upon layer upon layer, almost like a pathway up to this point where they declare this idea of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. So he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Now there's several more, you can read it in the Bible, but it continues to build from righteousness and then it talks about hungering for certain kinds of things that build on this idea of righteousness. Blessed are people that do those things, that show mercy and you know all this sort of stuff next. So you can read that yourself. But we're just going to stay in verses 2 to 6 today. So my first truth, I guess, that I've pulled out of this that can help us on the path of hungering and thirsting for righteousness is admit that you're in need of a physician. Is what I've called it. There in Matthew 5, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I've linked these two together because I think they're very closely connected. To be poor in spirit is to acknowledge and understand our deep, deep need of God. You know, Australia actually has like an obesity epidemic. Did you know that? Tell me you learned that at uni, yeah? Anyway, if you didn't, you can see it in the ads on TV. Have you seen the Live Lighter ads? I think the latest one that was out was all about not eating sugary drinks. And, you know, I had to, like, 
say, yes, I'm happy to be confronted with graphic images and multiple yes, 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 before I could actually watch it when I was looking it up. But you see, there's a public health campaign around these matters, and they're very confronting ads. They literally, this one had some guy on a table with a surgeon talking about the impact of sugary drinks on our, our bodies. And then they showed pictures of this person being operated on and all this like toxic fat that was around their um, organs. And like literally it was, it was just graphic and full on and confronting. Why do they do this? They're trying to alert us to our need to change the way that we eat, right? They're trying to alert us, trying to help us see our need. And I was just thinking about that. This very first thing that Jesus says here, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you if you understand your need of God. If you understand that in a spiritual sense, we have nothing, we're bankrupt, we're poor. There's a poverty strickenness about the humanity in our spiritual sense that we need God. This recognition is the first step and with it comes a kind of soberness, kind of a, I think that's where that mourning, this idea of mourning comes from, that you'd be comforted. There's a soberness to recognizing that we need God. And in some ways it's, it's you know, we all, if we are Christians here, will have acknowledged our need for God at the time that we came to faith. But as we go on in our faith journey, sometimes we can lose our connection with this sense of needing God. But the Bible tells us that in Ephesians 5.18, there's so many different verses, but it says, Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. That word filled is present tense. So you could say, keep being filled, keep being filled, keep being filled with the Spirit. It brings this idea that we need God. We need God in our lives to satisfy, to fill us. Always, 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 day, 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 always need this, you know, this is what um, we need to do. It's not just a one-off acknowledgement. It's this ongoing need. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and he will lead you in the righteous paths of the straight paths. Again, all your ways acknowledge God. And humility really is key here. You know, we tend to see ways, worldly ways of satisfying our spiritual hunger, which is usually the opposite to God's ways, like self-reliance and self-trust and self-independence. But this is really directly in opposition to what Jesus is talking about here, where we are poor in spirit. Um, you know, sometimes it's been heard that people have said, oh, Christianity, it's like a crutch for people that, you know, need that. Have you heard that before? It's like a crutch. Well, um, yes, absolutely, it is because we do need, we have need. Um, you know, in the Bible, um, Jesus said in, Math, in Mark 2.17, he said, oh, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And I came not to call the righteous, but to call sinners. Now, do you think that there's some people that are righteous and some people are sinners and Jesus just came for this sinners group? Do you think that's the case? Or do you think that God is that Jesus is actually saying here, I'm here for the people that know they need me. That's who I'm here for. The people that acknowledge, recognize, and understand that they need me. 
This takes great humility though, doesn't it? Because in a culture of self-reliance and my opinion and self-respect and my career and what I can do and, you know, individualism, it's pretty hard to go, yay, this is so awesome, I need a crutch, woohoo! And Christianity's it, you know, it doesn't feel very good, it's counter-cultural, it's not how we want to like do it. So it takes humility. You know, James 4, 1 to 10 is a really sobering piece of scripture that really talks about this. It kind of gets along. It's almost guttural in terms of your passion and your, your longing. I'm just going to read it to you. I want you to listen to it in the context of spiritual hunger and humility and needing God. James 4, verse 1 to 10. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? I'll go on in a minute, but you can see the conflict and the confusion and the lack of congruency with passion and desire and not quite being able to get what you want and that leads to fights and quarrels and issues and problems. Does it remind you of anything in our world? (laughs) Therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. And there we have it. Really, in many ways, it's our willingness to be humble, a willingness to come to God in humility, to accept, embrace, understand the reality of our spiritual need for God to be one of those ones that Jesus came for. Not the well, not the righteous, but the sick one and the sinner. In the um, Gospels, there's a Canaanite woman who asked Jesus for help and Jesus refused her request for help because she was not a Jew. And she said to him, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. How rude is that? I mean, how would you be? (laughs) Oh, man. It's like, doesn't sound like something Jesus would say. You know, it feels really confronting and rude. But I think what the gospel is trying to show us here is her heart. Because she said, you know, basically, yeah, I know you haven't come for me. This is not the time because Jesus came to the Jews initially and there was a time coming where he would come to her her people, but it wasn't yet. But she knew that she needed what he had. And so she came and she said, yes, but let me just take the crumbs from the table like a low animal. Let me just take that. You know, and Jesus responded to her and said, oh, woman, great is your faith. And so we can learn from this that this humility, this poverty of spirit is very, very key to faith. For those of us who are in ministry or interning or pastoring, 
Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Again, there's this confession of, it's not us, it's about him, it's about God. And so I guess my first point, it's just my longest point, by the way, was just that, um, you know, hang on, I'm trying to find it, that we, we need to admit that we need to a physician. It's a raw, honest position with ourselves about the reality that faith is not about doing good works. It's not about doing life with community. It's not about building our own personal ministry or developing our leadership or having our own particular blend of theology or about the miracles or about the rules or about the feel-good stuff, although all of this stuff is a part of it, is a wonderful part of it. But the raw reality that it's because we have a deep spiritual need for God and that is where it begins. And so I just, when I look at this, Matthew, this, the Beatitudes, this is the first point. Jesus is like, first thing, you need me and you're blessed. The more you understand that, the more you have a revelation of that, you're blessed. And then he just sort of builds on it. The next one is, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And so this I sort of see a bit like being meek. It's sort of like somebody who's willing to um, follow instructions without too much complaining. You know you've got those people who are like, hey, this is what we're going to do. And there'll be people like, no, we should do it this way. We should do it that way. I don't agree with that. I have a problem with that point. And then there's other people that are like, yep, I'll do that. That's the meek person in this context. And I was actually thinking about it because we're on the theme of doctors and stuff like this. And it's like, so I got, I was diagnosed with a chronic health condition 20 years ago, right? And this is not about healing or anything like that. This is just an example of what it looks like to be meek. And when I first got diagnosed with it, the doctor was like, you've got to do this, 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 and this. I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. I've got my own way. I'm going to do it this way because I know, I know better. And so for like five or 10 years, <laughs> I did it my own way and suffered greatly, really. Somewhere in there, I came to you know, a place of surrender and started to listen to the doctor who's like, this is what you need to do to have health. And then I started to follow their instructions and trust that their plan was going to work for me, right? And then I got to enjoy good health. And every now and then, doesn't quite go to plan and you get a bit unwell. But for the most part, if you do what they say, you're good. And I think that's kind of what it's like, the easiest way to describe what it is to be meek. We've gone, all right, I have a need because I'm sick. I need God. Okay. Just like me with my thing that I've got. Okay, I've got diagnosed. Hmm, I have a need for something that's not right within my body. Uh, okay, I'm going to listen to the doctor now and I'm going to walk and do the instructions that he gives me and I'm going to trust the doctor's plan. It's like that in our faith. I need Jesus. I understand that I need Jesus. And so... I don't understand every this thing about spiritual health, but God understands. So I'm going to follow his instructions. I'm going to work it out and look and read the Bible and talk to people, and I'm going to follow these instructions. That's essentially what it means to be meek. And, um, you know, it's like, think about children. Like my kids, they come to me with aches and pains, usually just before bedtime, right? Anyone else have the same situation with their kids? Just before bedtime, like, oh, mum, my knee hurts, my leg hurts, my, I've got an ulcer in my mouth, my, you know, I've got a little headache, or whatever it is, just a myriad of different things. And we have this saying in our house, I always say to them, mm, oh, I'm sorry, love, 
What's the best thing for that? I'm like, oh, sleep. Yes. <laughs> and they just like, yeah, hot tip, everybody. <laughs> They're just like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, all right, sleep. And imagine if my kids just fought me. They're like, no, I want a cream and I want a cuddle and I want some water and I want a Band-Aid. And, and they do sometimes. But ultimately, when they just submit to what I'm saying to them, let's go to sleep. You'll feel a lot better in the morning because when we sleep, our bodies restore themselves, you know, and they go along with those instructions. There's a meekness in that. They trust me. They trust my plan. They trust what I'm saying to them. And the Bible says to us, Jesus says to us that in, in, in order to come to him, we must become like children. It says, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself uh, like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so this is a picture of meekness. Shafin talked last week about this idea of the ancient paths. In Jeremiah 6 verse 16, it says, Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. Walk in it and you will find rest for yourselves. I think an expression of meekness for us can be to embrace these ancient paths, things like gathering together like we are now, things like reading the Bible, um, learning, worshipping, meditating on these things, talking to each other, asking. If you don't know what God's ways are, ask someone else. They might understand or one of your leaders. What is God's ways? How does he teach us to live? And embrace that and walk in that and follow those instructions. This is meekness. Let's not be proud. Let's not rely on our own opinion. You know, like, oh, it's just so difficult though, you know, when God's word says, do this, trust me, do not fear, be anxious for nothing. But, you know, with all your prayers and petitions, make your requests known to me. And here we are, oh, I'm so worried, I'm so worried, what am I going to do to fix this problem? Well, you know, like it, it's just this, this lifelong journey of meekness, of following instructions. So this is my second point. forgetting it follow the physician's instructions so acknowledge that you need a physician follow the physician's instructions trust his plan for you and then experience the joy of abundant health as you continue to trust the physician and we move into the next layer blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied and you can see can you see the progression acknowledge you need God Follow his instructions. And then hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You know the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. As we start to be meek, you know, we obey, we follow instructions. We start to experience the goodness of the ways of God in our life. Just like when we eat healthy food, we start to experience the beautiful effects of healthy food. The persistent practice of obedience, of trusting in God's ways, produces a trust and confident expectation in the goodness of God. And time and time again, he shows himself to be good, to be faithful. And as we go on and on and on and on with this, uh, I, I think it's that a hunger for righteousness, for God's ways, begin, begins to develop in our lives. What do you reckon? That's what it looks like to me. With life, you know, 
with God, just like with food. It's not like this overnight thing. And I think that's what can put us off a bit. But as we continue in those ancient paths, as we continue to cultivate a need for God in our lives and, or cultivate an understanding and acknowledgement of our need for God, as we follow his instructions, we begin to experience a hunger for his ways. And I've experienced this in my own life too. You know, there comes a point when you practice this over time when sometimes, you know, when disaster hits in your life, And your first response is often just to like sort it out yourself. But over time, when you grow in in God and grow in depending on him, you get to a point where something big happens. And instead of running to sort it out yourself, you pause and you realize, God, I want your answer here. And I'm willing to wait for it. You know what I'm talking about, hey, when you get to that place in your faith, okay, I'm willing to wait for it. You're hungry and thirsty and you want God's outcome here. You don't want to just quickly fix it up yourself. You actually want God's outcome here. And there comes that beautiful, blessed alignment between the hunger and the passion that you have for righteousness. And then as that gets outworked in your life, there's that deep satisfaction that comes for that through that um you know and I'm just I think probably the best way it's like such a um soul message really this one I I just want to read to you some poetry from David in Psalm 84 that helps us to understand what that looks like you may experience it in your own life but if you don't or if you haven't for a long time reflect on this it says this is David he says how lovely is your dwelling place O Lord of heaven's armies I long yes I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord With my whole being, body and soul, I shout joyfully to the living God. What joy for those whose strength comes for the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rain will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger and stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy is it for those who trust in you? Isn't that beautiful? What an expression of hunger and desire after God, after his ways, after righteousness. I'm going to finish up soon to the worship team. You can come back if you like. But these kinds of scriptures just give us a clue of what it is to hunger and thirst for righteousness, for the ways of God, and then to be satisfied in those. It's a position of deep satisfaction, of deep joy, yeah? You know, I think that in life it can be easy to be duped by the idea that other things will satisfy us because often faith and the constraints that seem to come with that can, you know, to the less experienced person seem like a restraint or like something that is um, not going to find freedom. But I can tell you from personal experience that is literally nothing that satisfies our soul other than God, we truly need him. And what a joy it is to say that we do. 
It's like a burden off. You know when you're just trying to work it all out yourself and you're like, yep, I've got this, I can fix this problem. And you know that like feeling when you finally go and you say, oh, I do need help. Have you ever been in that situation? Just any situation really where you're like, I need help and I'm trying to do it on my own because I can do it on my own and I can solve my problems and I'm independent and I don't want anyone to know because I'll be embarrassed. And then that moment when you finally go, oh, I need help. And then someone comes alongside you or the Holy Spirit fills you with his grace. What a relief. What a burden off. What freedom that comes with that. Yeah. Let's stand up. We're going to go into a time of worship in a minute, but I just want to pray for us before I do. Lord, we just thank you, God. We thank you, Father, that you knit us together in our parents' womb, that you know our heart, you know us, you know our spirit, you know how we work, and we thank you, Lord, that you intended for us to be whole within ourselves, for us to be satisfied by you, that you made us for relationship with you, Jesus. And then when we broke that relationship through sin and death and all of these things, you made a way for that to be right again. And Lord, right now, in this moment, you can fill us with your spirit. We can taste of the satisfaction that comes with being filled with your love, with your grace. And so Holy Spirit, I pray for those that are reaching out to you now in their hearts, those that are hungry, those that are saying, yes, God, I need you. I need a touch from you. I need your grace to go through my week. I need your grace to overcome this problem. I need your wisdom in my life for this situation. Come, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, and speak to those people. Let their hunger, their acknowledgement of their need for you draw your spirit, Lord God, I pray. Father, Lord, I pray. Lord, I pray for wisdom for those that need it. Lord, I pray for provision for those they're praying to you now because there's a need. Lord God, where people need homes and houses, I pray, Lord, that you would come through for them. Father, where there's a longing and almost a depression in their heart, Lord, I just pray you'd infuse these people with your joy, Lord God, as they reach out to you, Father. Father.